We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him uh, Gandalf because like he's never early or late. He's always <laughs> at the right time. My job is to never stop. Regardless of percentages, I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. Yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to this. Y'all ain't met playoff P yet, huh? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Uncontested podcast where we cover the NBA, Oklahoma City Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and at our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I'm the Thunder Mob, Jacob Niffin, and today I am joined by the guy who doesn't like superhero movies. Call me Armoravian. Yeah, they don't entertain me that much. Sorry, guys. I am also joined by the uncontested paintball extraordinaire, Taylor Peterson. Gotta love some paintball. It's all about the uh, the Doritos. I think that's a paintball term, right? The what? Doritos. You know, they call them the Doritos, the little pyramid-looking blow-up things in, like, the professional paintball tournaments. I'm an extraordinaire. Holy I mean, I shit. Know. Yeah, you are an extraordinaire. <laughs> I... So do they have, have something no called idea. Mountain Dew as well? Yeah. I, I just, I remember the Dorito. I used to, I watched it, like, one time on ESPN when I was younger, and thought it was kind of like cool have you guys ever See. been paintballing before i've been yeah. paintballing. yeah dude paintballing so, is actually, so much fun it is what back when i was in middle school we actually had a group that got together and so i graduated from owasso and outside of owasso about like about 10 to 15 minutes so uh, a little town called collinsville and they had this place called paintball land you could actually get a membership so there was like a time i think it was the spring and summer of like my seventh grade year 
that a bunch of us got together and got like one of those seasonal memberships and we went quite a bit it was kind of cool that's pretty dope so paintball's yeah. really cool until you have about five friends gang up on you at shooting at the same time oh yeah i was right yeah okay Very true. the mp dorito shape inflatable air bunker and it's literally shaped like a 3d pyramid interesting yes there's I don't a, sound uh, like an idiot. Like, there's <laughs> a place there's this place i think it's uh down in norman or south of norman that has it's a paintball course but along with playing paintball, you can rent like ATVs. And so it's like oh, some Halo shit where you're on yeah. like the ATV and the person on the back is shooting the paintball. It's pretty oh dope. Oh my gosh. Like we should That's set incredible. up like a uh, Thunder Podcast free for all paintball tournament where it's like us versus Down to Dunk versus Thunder Buddies versus Thunderheads versus Peak That'd and Roll. Awesome. It's like a paintball battle royale dude we would win <laughs> we would win that'd be awesome we'll fly oh, just yeah. we'll fly justin in we'll win except yeah, we're not we're, we're not letting justin did. drive the atv though that seems like an awful oh idea. man that's easy <laughs> he uh according to his tweet and reply to you jacob on twitter sounds like he's fairly decent but that could just be him talking his talk uh yeah that's true all right anyways basketball <laughs> anyways. um <laughs> We're going to break down the NBA playoffs. We're going to make some predictions, talk about the OK3's exit interviews, play some would-you-rathers. But first, we're going to start off with some Thunder talk. Taylor? Yeah. Okay. So me and Jacob touched a little bit on this, uh, I guess, last week. But we didn't go into too much detail because we wanted to say some stuff and also wanted to get some of our other guys' opinions on this. So you'll hear Kamiar tonight. You'll hear Nick and Justin's opinions here in the coming weeks. But I just have some uh, some bullet points I wanted to touch on here, kind of overview of the season. Which Thunder player had the most disappointing season to you guys? I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. I, I don't think anybody doesn't know who had the most disappointing season. It's, it's Carmelo Anthony. The most thing that wasn't disappointing was his exit interview. But realistically, yeah, he had the most disappointing season. He didn't live up to anything. He didn't shoot when he was like, he didn't make shots when he was wide open. Maybe he's not used to that. His exit interview was entertaining, at least as far as uh, being shocking sort of deal. But he was most disappointing this season. I agree. And we, we've heard that excuse a little bit, what you just mentioned, Kamiar, about, you know, that the, some of these guys say, you know, I'm so used to having the ball in my hands and being heavily guarded that it's hard for me to hit an open shot. And I just, I think that's such total bullshit. Like, you don't have a hard time hitting wide open jumpers. Like, you do that in the gym literally every day. I, I would have to agree that Melo probably had the most disappointing season. Um, I think Alex Abrinas might might have a a say in this, although he did come on towards the end of the season. Early on, and especially towards the middle of the year, whenever Terrence Ferguson was routinely getting minutes over Alex Abrinas and Alex couldn't find court time, um, we all had a really big like expectation for him coming in this season, and we thought he would be huge coming off the bench this year, and he wasn't, but I think he really turned his season around, kind of got, got healthy and got back to what we were hoping he could be, towards the end of the year and into the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably agree and go Carmelo had the most disappointing season. Taylor, what do you think? How could you how'd you, how could you say Alex Abrinas had a disappointing season when he couldn't get on the court, which is the coach's decision? 
Well, uh, that's disappointing, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's really the disappointing part is like he didn't play well enough to earn minutes. You know, we we to had see that development. Yeah, from yeah. from our ex- expectation, at least my expectation over the summer was that Alex Abrines would be a big part of this team coming off the bench, essentially almost being a sixth man who could come in and space the floor. And the fact that he didn't even get playing time because the coaches preferred Ferguson over him uh, was was pretty disappointing, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I Yeah, I put Melo by far, but I also thought an honorable mention would be uh, Patrick Patterson for second place because we all had very high expectations for him, or not very high necessarily as much as we felt he was going to be a, a solid role player for us. Uh, originally we thought he was going to be the starter before we did the mellow trade and for him to come in like he did and, and shoot maybe, you know, one of the worst seasons of his career, his defense was good at times, but overall he had a pretty disappointing season. So I, I figured everybody would probably say mellow. So I wanted to throw Pete Pat in there kind of for something different. For sure. And Patrick Patterson, I think is really interesting. I, I feel like with the injury at the beginning of the year, he struggled to get a rhythm and to me, Patterson seems like the kind of guy that doesn't just come in and, and light it up and then go back to the bench. I think I feel like he's the kind of guy that you see his impact the more minutes he plays. Would you guys agree with that? I agree. And I also think the right lineups, too. And we kind of mentioned that in previous podcasts. But with him playing with a traditional big like Steven really opens things up for him compared to playing like more of a non with playing alongside a non-traditional center such as uh, Jeremy Grant. And I think that has a lot to do with it as well. He's very much a rhythm player. That's a good point. I agree. Kamiya, what do you think? I mean, I think it's the same thing with Alex Sabrinas with Patrick Patterson. You need to be on the court. And the guy in situations when you want him to be on the court wasn't on the court. If he was the starting four, then things would have been different. If he would have gotten more playing time, things would have been different. But again, it comes down to that playing time sort of deal. And that's not a player thing. That's a thunder. That's a coaching thing. Yeah, it's a good point. But a little more optimistic, who do you guys think had the most encouraging season? I'll start us off on this one. Um, I'm going Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant came in at the beginning of the season playing well. And I think he saw a lot of growth as the season went on. He just got better and better and better. His ability to put the ball on the floor and drive to the basket, his ability to draw fouls. Uh, the three-point shooting this year wasn't as good as last year. I think if, if he can settle into being a, a league average, like 34 35% three-point shooter, that would be huge for this team. Um, but I, uh, I was really impressed by Grant this season. I, I think a lot of people would probably say that Grant, during his play and his development, over the course of the season, not through just the off season, but over the course of the season, he's earned himself a pretty nice payday this coming summer. Scary for us. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with Jacob. I think that you're smoking a ton of weed if you don't think that Jeremy Grant had the most encouraging season out of all of the players. Of course, you you have all stars, but the most encouraging one was Jeremy Grant, considering his jump from last year. To this year, he learned how to dribble, which is nice. He learned how to somewhat shoot from the corners, and he learned how to control his body when he's in the air and just flopping. Besides Jeremy Grant, I'm going to go a complete 180 from what you guys said at the previous question and say Alex Sabrinas had a very encouraging season when he was on the floor. He shot yeah. the ball well when healthy, and he learned how to dribble a little bit. He would attack vertically. 
He would pump fake, get his guy in the air, get the guy to the side of them, and then go and attack the rim and dunk it or lay it up occasionally. We saw that in the second half of the season. I don't think Patrick Patterson or Alex Abrinas were healthy to begin the start of the season, and they weren't. Turns out Alex Abrinas had a hernia, so that's a thing. So he had a very, very encouraging second half of the season to me. So did Jeremy Grant. I like that. I I agree with you guys on Grant. So I kind of list a couple other players. Uh, kind of as wild cards, one not being so much, maybe more of a like a clear second place, I think, is maybe Steven Adams. We expect his development because of how good of a player he is and develop, the development we see from him every season. But what he was able to do this season was huge for us. At times, I would say, particularly during the regular season, there were stretches where he was the best player on the floor. And that included times when Russ, Melo, and PG were all out there. Well, they were kind of figuring out he was our one stable piece. And the things that he does, even not even scoring the ball, but just, you know, screen setting, pick and rolls. He, he spaces it for everybody else. His, de- his defensive presence has been huge for us. And so I, I'm really encouraged by Steven. I did have Abrinas listed because I felt that the way he finished the season was really was, – the way he finished the season was really optimistic. And also Ferguson. And I know we didn't get to see a ton. And when we did, he was just kind of thrown in the fire. But I'm really – I'm really uh, encouraged seeing the, the minutes that Ferg played and seeing how he's going to, to continue to develop. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But uh, I really like Ferguson and, and what we see from him. And I know from things that we've heard and the reporters that, you know, from, that have tweeted things out and other podcasts, the Thunder are really high on Ferguson. So I like him a lot too. Yep. I, I mean, I'm also very high on Ferguson. But then I, – and I tweeted this. It would have been Saturday night. Watching, oh, are you going to mention OG? Watching OG and Anunoby play <laughs> and knowing that, that, was that we passed on him. Man. And I mean, there were so that many so questions about him on draft day and his health and would he even play at all this year. And I think offensively, Ferguson probably has the higher ceiling than Anunoby. But gosh, Anunoby's so big, so long, athletic. I mean, he's nobody can guard LeBron James. But, I mean, he's doing a decent enough job as a rookie. Yeah, I think Andrew yeah. is going to be really good in this league. But And I feel like he would have fit on the Thunder so well, too. Yeah. I think he really would have fit well. Now, he may maybe wouldn't have developed quite as quickly with the Thunder compared to uh, his situation on the Raptors. But regardless, I, I agree. That was tough watching that last night. I mean, yeah. what do you have, 18? Something like that. And, and, like he, and he hit that clutch and was three. Playing defense. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Playing defense on Braun. That's huge. So... Moving on, we got the top three players that you guys feel are the most likely to not be back on the team next year. Kamiar, what do you think? So uh, let, let, let's go through this. Sorry, Kamiar, I don't mean to cut you off. Let's go through these like, do you guys want to do number one is the most likely and number three is like the third most likely? Or do we just want to all throw out our top three or come to a consensus between all of us on a top three? That's a good point. I kind of like, we could all get, so we could all just throw out three players. And then after we each throw out our three players, we can rank them in order. How's that? Okay, yeah, like that? yeah. We'll, we'll make like a consensus cool. top three. Nice. Come here, go cool. for it. Okay, well, I was going to go with Raymond Felton, who will not be back. Josh Hustis will not be back. Oh, that's a good one. Car- Carmelo Anthony will also not be back. Those are three. Very good. Those are good. Uh, I'm Carmelo Anthony. Is probably at the top of my list. After that, 
Oh, I'm going to go a flyer here and say Kyle Singler because I think they'll trade his contract with that expiring on draft night. That'd be nice. And then my third would be... Oh, gosh. I'm going to say, I, I guess, Raymond Felton. So I Josh Jesus is going to be back? I surprisingly, yes, I do. I think he'll he'll come back on a huh. minimum. See, I just completely forgot about Eustace, but I, <laughs> I, I, I really, and that that's partially why I don't think he will be back. I think that's a good one. But the three that I have typed out here, I, I had Mello as my one, Brewer as my two, because we literally just saw a picture of him on Twitter with the U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gone. Uh, he's going home. And then I had Felton as my third as well because I felt it was really interesting during the exit interviews uh, when it almost felt like Presley was purposing, purposely leaving Mello out of some of those uh, conversations and quotes. He just almost seemed to completely forget about Felton. And then I think it was Fred Katz like at the end of the interview mentioned something to or kind of asked him as he was getting up about Felton. And I think Presley just kind of gave a stereotypical, yeah, he's a great guy, great professional We'll, we'll see what we can get done the off season. That, so I didn't feel super great about that. It almost made me think that they were kind of wanting something different at the uh, backup point guard position. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Felton either. So that's kind of that makes me feel good that you guys thought that as well. Yep. So what are we thinking in so, order? I think we all agree probably Mello at one. I'm definitely Mello. Mello at number one. Well, Mello will not be on this team next year. Fel- Felton at two. Yeah, I think we all three had Felton. Yep. And then I'll, I'm willing to uh, to side with Kamiar here and say Houston's a three. Okay. But I like I like Singler. I think that's a good point. I, it'd be really weird to still see him as an inactive on this team. And I think Brewer, but I don't even know if you can really count Brewer because I, I, I he might, was just a yeah. rental, right? Yeah, and so that's the kind of difficult one there. I mean, I don't even think of Brewer until you mentioned it. That's a really good one because I don't think he'll be back. I I would almost give Felton a higher percentage chance of coming back than Brewer. Because yeah. I'm interested to know, can the Thunder go out and get a, a backup point guard on a veteran minimum contract? Because that's all they can really spend, except for part of that taxpayer MLE they have left over from last year. Which I think is like, they have $3 million left of that, if I'm not mistaken. I could be totally wrong, so don't quote me. Um, but if they use the full taxpayer MLE, they'll be hard capped. So it's yep. hard to see them doing that. I would assume if they bring in a backup point guard, they're going to bring in somebody on the veteran minimum. And then the question becomes, is there somebody out there you can get on a vet minimum contract that is going to be a better player and a better fit than Raymond Felton? Unless you can get somebody in a trade. Right. And I think that's what it comes. I, I almost feel like Presley's going to try and, and work something first. And then, you know, I don't want to say last case scenario because obviously Felton did a, a pretty solid job, particularly compared to our previous backup point guard two years ago. Now yeah. that was uh, Samaj Christian. So I think he'll he'll try and work something out if he can't get a trade or if he can't find a free agent he likes, try to work something out with Felton. I think that's a good point. Yep. All right. So we got Mello at one. We had Felton at two. And then what do you guys think on the third? Houston or Stingler? I'll, 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 I go, just say, I'll go with Houston with you guys. Okay. Okay. But yeah. I, Singler, is a, that's a good one. I didn't, hadn't really thought of that either. Um, but so moving on, we got, I guess, three more here. Um, the next one being whose development is most crucial for the team next season. 
And let's go ahead and just assume that Paul George is back and that Melo is gone. Our kind of dream scenario here. Yeah. So if Melo is gone, PG is back, who is the most crucial, uh, whose development is most crucial for next year? Um, call me, I think you and I might have the same answer here, so I'm going to let you go first. I think the obvious answer is Terrence Ferguson because oh, yeah. they played him a ton of developmental minutes this year, sacrificing wins possibly. And the front office apparently loves the guy. The coaches love the guy to be like a three and D sort of guy with a lot of energy. Uh, it's crucial that a, he eats steaks and protein shakes and gets in the gym and just like bolt a little bit. That'd be nice. Yeah. But also, it's imperative that he just comes back improved, like actually dribbling the ball other than just hanging out in the corner and dunking. So he needs to be improved to be a rotational player for next year. I would agree with that. And um, I, I think this is going to be the theme of kind of our discussion here in our offseason. Uh, I, th- I, th- I totally agree with the Ferguson one. And then I think Alex Abrinas. I think if Alex Abrinas can come back, continue the defensive effort that we saw at the end of the year and in the playoffs. And he said that he wanted to work on pick and roll ball handling. So if we can see that from him a little bit next year to where he can be a legitimate, um, you know, 20 plus minute a night guy uh, backing up, maybe even the three that would be huge for this team. And so, yeah, I, I probably put Ferguson as, as, uh, is the most crucial, but I think Alex Abrinas has to definitely be in that discussion. That kind of surprises me. So I also said Terrence Ferguson, but I thought both of you were going to go with Abrinas. And so I actually just kind of had a disclaimer here saying that assuming that Steven Adams and Abrinas continue to develop, that I was going to go with Ferguson. Because I think it's safe to say that both of those players will. Uh, they continue to seem to do that since the Thunder have acquired them. And obviously they're going to be huge pieces. And it is going to be big for this team for both of those uh, both Adams and Abrinas to continue to develop. But I agree. I think Ferguson just has such a high ceiling, but also maybe a, a low floor. And so his development is going to be pretty crucial, particularly if he plays anything close to the minutes that he played this season. Um, if he can develop a consistent outside shot around Russ and Steven's pick and roll, and then also assuming PG's there, I mean, that would just be huge. He's obviously got to hold his own on defense. But um, speaking of three points, he three pointers, he shot a team high 44.4% from three post all-star break per NBA stats. That's encouraging. So, I mean, he definitely, yeah, it's very encouraging. And then we also obviously have seen his, his dunking ability from what he displayed this season against, you know, those LA games. And then also I, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but on Twitter around the slam dunk competition time, there are some people that who are floating around the, the highlights of him and the, uh, Australian dunk competition I mean, that, this dude can fly. Yeah. He uses those long arms, too. I mean, and it's, he's it's so impressive. athletic. You know, he's he's going to be such freak. a tool in transition offense. I was about to like, he can run the floor with Russ. Yeah. So he can either – he can run the floor, get open for a three-point shot, or he can take it to the rack and get a foul or, or you know, get the fast break points. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think – Well, cool. I think, I think his development is, is is huge, and I'm I'm really excited for it. As far as Abrinas – Man, it sucks that he's injured again. Like six weeks yeah. out with the sports hernia surgery, like Kamiar mentioned earlier. Like 
this dude can never get a break. And then last summer he was busy doing uh, Spanish national team stuff. I hope after this six weeks of the sports hernia, he's able to get back out and just get in the gym and work on his game, not have to worry about being competitive in, in a national team setting or anything like that. He's able to just get back, get healthy, get in the gym. And I really hope he can get in the gym with Russell Westbrook. If he and Ru Russ can really yeah. start to develop that chemistry on that drive and kick, um, that's going to be dangerous. That's going to be really dangerous for other teams. Yeah, I'm with you guys. So speaking of Abrinas and Ferguson, we just spent some time talking about them. These next two bullet points are for each of them. So the first one, the player comparison for Alex Abrinas is both his floor and ceiling. Which one of you guys want to start? Calmier, oh, do you have anything on this one? As far as floor, I really don't have I really don't have a suggestion for what player his floor is other than his current self right now. I really I'm not sure about that one. As far as his ceiling, I think it's I think his ceiling that is most likely is something like Marco Bellinelli. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, that's what I had both of those. I think, that's funny. Yeah, I, and I and I think that his like ultra ceiling, if he somehow unlocks his complete potential. Oh, let me guess. Let me guess. And... Let me guess. Can I guess? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. JJ Redick. No, Manu Ginobili. Oh, oh, oh wow. Man. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. Yeah. So, wow. That's what I'm that's like that's like his ultra ultra ceiling that I'm hopeful that he's able to do uh, because he said he wants to work on that pick and roll ball handling skills. He already has a decent shot on him. He can grow to be a better defender like he's been saying. So his mm -hmm. ultra like ceiling is Manu, but I think his most likely outcome is Bellinelli. That's a good point. I mean, he can take it to the rack. So like you said, if he can learn to control the ball better, uh, he might be able to, to drive to the rack like a Ginobili. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I, I would put his ceiling somewhere between, and maybe there's a player out there that is this, and I'm just not thinking of them right now, but somewhere between Bellinelli and J.J. Redick is, I think, what his ceiling could be if he reached his full potential. A guy that can yeah. catch and shoot the lights out, a guy that can put the ball on the floor a little bit, can run off screens, is um, is a smart player as far as like catching off, running off screens, and then instead of pulling up, being able to put it on the floor or pass it to someone who slipped out of one of those many back screens. Uh, you see JJ do that all the time. So I I would hope that he will end up being a better defender than Bellinelli is, and I think that is a good possibility. But, you know, that's that that's ceiling we're talking there, like the, the best of the best that Abrinas could hope for. So, Taylor, what did you have on this one? That's, it's funny. I actually had the same exact thing as Kamiar. Um, for the floor, I was just kind of thinking, I was like, honestly, his floor might just kind of be what he's at right now. Just, you know, he has so much potential as a role player, but then just, you know, is either hurt or can't see minutes because of defensive issues or because of coaching preferences. So him, his self right now is kind of his floor, but I wanted to come up with something. So I said this season's Josh Hustis might be a little rough, but, Ooh, and then yeah. for the ceiling, I also, yeah, uh, for the ceiling, I also had Bellinelli. Uh, and maybe that's just because I saw him hit that, that shot, that big shot to put into overtime yesterday against the Celtics and was just super excited about that. But <laughs> yeah. That was pretty sweet, but um, but no, I I think he really fits that mold well. 
But at the same time, I think he does have a little more athletic ability, like you were saying, Jacob, which helps him on the defensive end and also driving to the to the basket. So he could be like a little more of a hybrid between Bellinelli and a Redick or Bellinelli and a Ginobili. That'd be nice. I think that could be his ceiling. So what do you guys think? Same thing for Terrence Ferguson. Ceiling players, that could be his ceiling and also his floor. I came up with a pretty good, I think, a pretty good floor for Terrence Ferguson. Uh, Can I guess? Go ahead. Can I guess on yours? Go ahead. Rodney Hood. That's a that's a actually a good one. No, that's not what I went with though. Oh. <laughs> my my Terrence Ferguson floor is the Oklahoma City version of Jeremy Lamb. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's that's, that's a really maybe good one. even the current version of Jeremy Lamb, I think is what I would put Terrence Ferguson's floor at. Uh, as far as the ceiling, I kind of struggled to come up with a a good comp on this, so I wanted to see kind of what you guys had. As far as his floor or his ceiling? His ceiling. What For Terrence Ferguson's ceiling, what did you have? Uh, ceiling, I had Courtney Lee, possibly, if he, again, is able to develop any sort of dribbling skills. Yeah, I think he could be a more yeah. athletic Courtney Lee. See, that's kind of because of his athleticism. I went ahead for his ceiling. I had like Terrence Ross. But then again, I think he could maybe even go higher than that potentially. So maybe like Terrence Ross just better than Terrence Ross at being Terrence Ross. At being Terrence, yeah. Like the ultimate version of Terrence Ross. So like maybe a Victor Aladipo, but not quite as ball dominant and a little better of a three point shot. Or, I mean, Bradley Bill is probably pushing it, but. Maybe that range. Maybe what I would put Terrence Ferguson's ceiling at is a much better defensive. Um, oh my gosh, I just went blank. Who's the really skinny guy up in Denver? Will Barton. Oh, Will, Will Barton. Barton. Yeah, yeah may, maybe a, a much better defensively. Will Barton is Terrence Ferguson's ceiling. I mean, they have the same kind of body structure. Yeah. Uh, the same type of athleticism, being a high flyer. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, and then for his floor, I had Rodney Hood, and I thought maybe you were you were going with that too. But that uh, it is kind of funny seeing those parallels between the Jeremy Lamb situation when he was drafted by OK, or acquired by OKC, and then the uh, the kind of the similarities with Terrence Ferguson outside the whole you know overseas basketball thing that Ferguson did. Yeah, yeah, they're similar players. I have high hopes for Ferguson so, over this summer, man. I think. I, yeah. He's I got think he's, off, but it's a big summer for him. Yeah, and I hope he works out with Russ and PG a lot. I hope he gets in the gym with those guys and really just just gets to work. I think he could come back. You know, most players that do pretty decent their rookie year, they they do make a considerable jump to their second year. That's why I'm not a huge fan of giving second year players most improved because everyone kind of improves from first to second year. Yeah, but I, I'm hoping that Ferguson does see that that sophomore jump, um, like like most players do in their career. I, I hope with with the year of being in the NBA and doing, I mean, he did this as a full time job in Australia too, but being with an NBA franchise, being around Russ and Melo and PG, and working with those guys. I know PG is pretty close to him, uh, and just just getting to work with those guys and seeing what it takes. I hope that he has that that drive and that work ethic and a, a healthy summer where he can come back and really impress us. That's a good point. I think that you just mentioned kind of an underrated aspect of how 
important it would be for PG to come back is is his impact on Ferguson because obviously, like you said, they've they've developed a relationship. PG's kind of taken him under his wing. Gatorade commercial, a, man. Gator, yeah, that's yeah, the Gatorade commercial. So just him doing that, and it's I mean, PG would be a what a great player for Ferguson to model his game after, even you know. Oh yeah. Not only his demeanor, but his his play. I mean, that'd be that'd be pretty awesome. So I I agree. If we if PG and Russ stay close like this. Uh, and and get in the gym together. It'd be cool to see them invite some of these other players to work out with them. That'd be really big. Speaking of PG and Russ, so me and Jacob kind of touched on the exit interviews last week. And so before we move on from the Thunder, I just want to get your guys' take on kind of the the big thing from this past weekend in terms of Thunder NBA Twitter was the whole PG and Russ paintball thing. And so obviously it's really cool to see them see them you know, doing things together and hanging out, particularly while they're both in LA. What's your guys' take on that? And, you know, is there, is there anything to, to take from the fact that Melo wasn't there or are they just, you know, PG and, and Russ just both like being in LA in the off season, Melo's off, who knows where doing whatever. And so that's why he wasn't there. You know, you guys want to touch on that? Yeah, for sure. Call me, you want to start this off? I mean, obviously it's good that you have Russ who has been coined as somebody that's a bad teammate, somebody that is, nobody wants to be around. It's good to see him be around the guy that is making a massive decision for the OKC franchise this summer. It's good to see them together having fun on Paul's birthday because it was his birthday. I think he has the same birthday as Ray Felton. I mean, not Ray Felton, but Ray Westbrook. So that's good. But uh, it, it, it's, it could be a simple coincidence. I mean, like, hey, Russ, we're uh, we're both from L.A., and um, I'm having a birthday party kind of this weekend. You want to come along and be a part of it? And Russ is like, well, why the, why the hell? Why not? You know, hashtag why not? You show up and be a part of your paintball fun. But it's good to see Russ and PG out there continuing their friendship or whatever. Mellows probably flew back to New York to be with his wife and kids, so he's probably not a part of the equation going forward anyways so i don't really think there's that much to read into it other than russ and pg are having a good time that's about it how long would Melo last on the paintball field though like okay not yes not very one match he'd be huffing and puffing can you imagine russell westbrook coming at you with any form of a of a weapon (laughs) you being out on an opposing team against russell westbrook who has some sort of gun in his hand that is like the scariest thing i could think of (laughs) yeah i would just be like nope I'm done. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously, like Kamiar said, it's it's a good thing that they're hanging out. You know, that's awesome that they're good buddies. I do find it interesting that the only and granted, there was a lot shorter of a time from the end of the Thunder's postseason run to KD's free agency because the Thunder made it all the way to Game Seven of the Western Conference Finals, whereas now there's a lot more time. Uh, in the downtime between the end of the season and July 1st. But the only thing that we know of that Russ did with KD during KD's, you know, month leading up to free agency was went and had that dinner with him, he and KD and and Nick Collison. But Russ is already out hanging out with PG. I think Russ and PG, number one, they're both from L.A. Number two, they are the same age, kind of in the same spot of life as far as like significant other and children and like i think maturity wise kind of at the same point in life so i think that kind of plays a role in them being closer 
off the court than maybe Russ and KD were. You know, I, I can't speak to that because I don't know what their relationship was with the, Russ and KD versus Russ and Paul George and whatever. But KD's made some comments. You know, he's made some comments about the relationship, how early on they were both rookies. You know, they were both new to it. It was a new city. So they were all hanging out and playing video games for the first, like, two seasons. But then after that, they kind of drifted their own ways. Yeah, I think, Russ, I think KD almost described it as, like, it was like a business relationship, right? Exactly, right. So, and you're, yeah, I think you're exactly right, Jacob. That's a good point. So, I mean... I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to say, oh, they play paintball together. Expect PG to sign. But it's better than, you know, Russ tweeting out paintball or something like that, you know. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's a good sign. I hope Russ didn't shoot PG too many times and piss him off. But besides <laughs> yeah, that, I, no, think, uh, I think it's good. I'm, I'm with you. They obviously had developed a friendship. And I think just the, the one thing that stood out to me about it that I think is really the only thing you can really take into context. And outside the fact that they're just hanging out and develop that friendship this season, I think is the fact that in the exit interview here, I guess that was almost two weeks ago now, Paul George, or about a week, week and a half ago, Paul George mentioned, you know, keeping that relation, those relationships with, with Russ, with Billy, with Presty, with Kyle Weaver keeping those relationships and keeping in touch with them. And he's already followed up on that, right? You know, oh, yeah. a week later, they're out playing paintball together. So that's definitely a, a positive. And I agree. I don't think you can take much about Melo not being there just because, you know, all the players are off doing their own things. And Russ and PG just both happen to be from and also love Los Angeles. So why not hang out together? Especially like Kamiar said, if it's a birthday party. But so I, I kind of took a jab at Justin on the last, last pod. I got a shout out for him on this one. He tweeted out a pretty funny, pretty stinking funny, uh, I guess like a, his own version of a get gif of Mello. It's like a picture of him with like a weird look on his, like a questioning look on his face. And he goes, what do you mean? I ain't get, get invited to no paintball or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. that was you good. guys need to go check that out. That yeah. was good. Um, yeah. Before we move on, sorry, last thing, which Thunder player do you think is, is best at paintball or which Thunder player would you pick to be on your team in a paintball match? That's good. Oh, man. Uh, I think Russ, like I said, that dude's just so aggressive. I think he's the type, you know, like where you all start. You all start on like each end of the course that you guys are playing on. And so he's the type that they say, one, two, three, go. And he's just sprinting to the other side to get the to the opponents as quick as he can. He doesn't care about hiding behind bunkers. Yeah, th- that, that's what kind of worries me about Russ possible. and paintball is he's going to get shot Cause quick because be he's going to be out in yeah, the open. Exactly. Screw cover. I'm, like I'm going three or hard. Four people on his way. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Come here. Who I'll you taking? go with. I'll go with Nick Collison because he's the brains behind the situation. He'd be the manager of who to go where behind what bunkers and when. That's that's, that's yeah, a good one. I didn't even think one. of that. Um, I don't even know who I would take, man. That's I mean, good, that's that's tough. PG's pretty, pretty cool, calm, collected. So he might be good. And like strategizing and still being accurate and aggressive, but at the same time not being just like Russ, just you know going crazy. I, I think breaking loose. Here's you know? my choice: I'm taking Corey Brewer just for the comedic value. I'm <laughs> taking Corey yeah, Brewer just to watch him like run and then like trip immediately out on the course. Oh, like, like my team would laugh. lose, but it will, at least it would be funny. At least I'd get a good laugh out of it. 
you'd have a ton of fun. Can you guys imagine playing paintball with Steven Adams? He would just be dropping like one-liners constantly. You'd just be cracking up the entire time. <laughs> He'd wear the camo he wears every, after every post game. <laughs> His Elmer Fudd hat. <laughs> oh my god. He he wouldn't be probably a hard wear, target to wear miss though. Flip-flops too. Have his slides on, yeah, yeah. But he, you know, he would be one. like that dude would be like on his stomach, like army crawling in paintball. <laughs> He'd be fun. He's to the play biggest with. guy out there. He'd be the first one out. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> Easy target. Easy target. Yeah. All, right. All right. Well, I guess we're moving on to around the association. So, for the bullet points on this one, the first one, just kind of, we, basically it's going to be playoff edition, right? And there's been some really great series outside of the disappointing Thunder series. The first bullet point I have is Ben Simmons versus Donovan Mitchell, playoff edition. Who do you guys think has performed the best? Who would you guys take? Who's been your favorite to watch, etc.? Jacob? Oh, man. They're both so good, but I just I have a love for Donovan Mitchell. He's he's incredible. I tweeted the other night and I firmly stand by this. Whenever Donovan Mitchell's rookie contract is up and he signs his first big deal, uh, which would be th- after three more seasons, I think he's going to be the best two guard in the game. Better than Beal, better than DeRozan, better than James Harden, better than Klay Thompson. Donovan Mitchell will be the best. I agree. I like Mitchell a lot. His game reminds me kind of of James Harden, realistically, except that he plays defense and he doesn't complain that much yet. I mean, he'll get there. So Yeah. His ability to get downhill and that spin move and that scoop shot, it's disgusting, man. For a rookie. My only issue, yeah. my, my only issue with this number 45 is, like, is there significance to that? Or that's just an awkward number for a guard. Yeah, I, yeah, like I agree. Actually, I went digging on NBA stats, and Simmons does have the overall better numbers outside of points per game, uh, both playoffs and regular season. But I'm still going with with our guy, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, just what he did, I think, alone against PG, Russ, and Melo, and Steven Adams, and how he, not single-handedly because their entire team played well, but, I mean, he led that charge, right? He was just incredible as a rookie. I'm with you guys. Next bullet point I got, Boston Celtics. These guys lose... Their their big free agent and Hayward beginning of the season, and then their big trade piece Kyrie Irving goes out right before playoffs with a season ending season ending surgery. Sorry, I was blending words there. And then these young players just have stepped up and been incredible, and it looks like they're on track to sweep the young Sixers. So give your guys take on the Celtics and kind of what you see happening the rest of this postseason, and then maybe even what you guys think about next season. They've been really impressive, man. They're really good. They have they have a good team. Next year, they're going to add back Kyrie and Hayward and a lottery pick because they have the Lakers pick uh, that was traded to them via um, Philadelphia, right? Because they, they yeah. swapped one and three this year, and Boston got That's Jason so Tatum crazy. and then the pick next year, which is lot- in the lottery. So it's... Uh, I mean, I don't expect them to make the finals this year. I think they'll finish off the 76ers. They'll go to the Eastern Conference Finals. 
they'll put up that series might go six or seven, but, and, and I know coaching is a big thing in the playoffs. I know game planning and scheming, but, and we'll, we'll get to this, um, but against LeBron James, just I'm taking LeBron next year. I think Boston wins the title. Ooh. Yeah, I think me and I think me and Jake were texting about this or just talking about it last night, and we watched the Raps Cavs game. That I believe that Boston, we believe that Boston would probably win the title next year because they're doing all of this with Terry Rozier and Marcus Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Jason Tatum is a freak. Jalen Brown, when healthy, is really good, and then you can add two All Stars. Jeez, it's a lot. It's a lot, if they, especially if they can keep Marcus Morris now. I don't know if Marcus Smart's going to be in Boston next year. That's one thing to keep an eye on. But I still believe that it's quite possible that they are either winning that title or at least playing in that title game next year. For sure. Here's an interesting question for you guys on that front. What do you think is a better long-term option for Boston? Let Marcus Smart walk and play out Terry Rozier's final year. Or... You sign Marcus Smart to a reasonable like ten million a dollar, ten million dollar per year deal, and you trade Terry Rozier for young a, a young piece and a draft pick or something like that, because you know Terry Rozier is going to end up getting a payday after his final year of his rookie contract. Which one would you rather do? I'm going. I'm going the second of those. And I know that seems crazy because of how incredible Terry's played and how good of a player I think he'll just continue to develop into. But I think a whole, the whole reason he's doing this is because he's got more of a chance and opportunity. And I think with Kyrie back and just the, the minutes that he's going to contribute, both the regular and postseason, I don't think Terry's going to have the opportunity. Like his game just it's, – it's almost similar to Kyrie's in the sense that they just – you know, they're point guards. They need the ball in their hands to do what they do. So as cool as it would be to have Terry as that backup point guard, I think if you can get something for him before he leaves and before he demands a – or before he demands a ex- more expensive contract. And then just on top of that, I think Marcus Smart's really kind of one of their glue guys, right, in the sense that Stephen Adams is kind of our glue guy. Joe Ingles, we talked about, is kind of Utah's glue guy. I think Marcus Smart really plays that role. And him coming back from this from that injury – We've seen this team, you know, continue to play well and and play better since he's been back. I think so you I'm can also, yeah, I think you can also play smart more off the ball at the two than you can Terry Rozier, and I think that has to be a oh, factor yeah, that, uh, into that decision. Galmir, which one would you rather do? If you do not trade Terry Rozier, it's going to become a Russell Westbrook, Reggie Jackson situation. So Ooh, you that's a get great you get you get rid of Terry Rozier. And you just go along with Marcus Smart. I'm not saying Terzier is as much of a punk as Reggie Jackson is, but at the same time, you don't want those possible problems. So it just it just smells like that Reggie Jackson situation, especially when especially when Russ went down and he Reggie uh, was really good for OKC. Kyrie goes down. Scary Terry looks really, really good for Boston, and he's going to want that playing time. He's going to want that money. So just avoid it completely. You have all those picks. Just keep on working with the picks. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah that's, I really like I didn't even think of that comp, that's but that's really comparison. good. Yeah. That's really good. I mean, Terry kind of has that swagger about him. You know, he's not in this, he hasn't shown any signs of, of aggression or anything as much as just he almost seems com- very confident. We'll put it that way. Yeah. For so sure. I can see that. That's a good point. 
All right, so I think the next big thing is, obviously, we, I think we all were talking about this in the Slack. LeBron James has been playing out of his mind, and last night's performance was huge. Is LeBron officially tied or above Michael Jordan in terms of the greatest to ever play the game? Oh, man, this is a can of worms. It is. You just opened up a can of worms, Taylor. It, it's a rabbit hole. It, 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 oh, my gosh, sure. it is. Michael Jordan has this nostalgia around him, has this 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 aura around him that I don't think can ever be taken away. But I think LeBron James is the overall better basketball player. You could argue that MJ is the better competitor. MJ's, you know, six of six in the finals, never lost a, a final series. MJ, you know, is this icon. But I think 20 years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to say if LeBron is not the overall better player than Michael Jordan, that they are exactly even. Um, to me, LeBron LeBron James is, I mean, 6'8", 255, can play 1 through 5, is probably the, the most gifted passer in the league, uh, can't be stopped when he gets downhill, has a jumper. Magic Johnson is a poor man's LeBron James. Yeah. You know, and hey, yeah, yeah. Le- LeBron is he is insane. Like I used to hate on LeBron. I can't even hate on him anymore. He is the best That's player the of our that. generation. Like people want to argue is it Kobe or LeBron? And to me those comparisons aren't even close. Like LeBron is in a tier completely above anywhere Kobe could have ever reached. I think LeBron and MJ are on a on a tier alone, like you just said. But just a, a real quick point before we get Kamriar's take. You mentioned Magic Johnson, and and that's kind of funny because I was thinking throughout the playoffs, and I'm I'm still not sure how to do this. I may even like tweet at Basketball Reference and see if they can help me with this. But if there's some way that like we could see either his throughout his career or at least this playoffs, LeBron's uh, LeBron stats from when he plays small forward compared to when he plays point guard. I'd be really curious to see that because I, when he plays point guard, he just takes over the game like he's been doing against uh, Toronto. And when yeah. they, they started him at point and took George, set George Hill at the, at the bench, that's when this team really has soared. I'd really like to see those stats. But anyways, Kamiar, uh, what do you got? I think that it's really, really difficult to judge and analyze a player that are – players, excuse me, that are about – 20 years apart. I think it's uh, the teams are different. The style of play is different. I think you can definitely say that LeBron James is the most athletic and best basketball specimen. I think he surpassed uh, Michael Jordan in that regard, that he's the most athletic and basketball laden specimen ever, most likely. However, Michael Jordan started his career in Chicago. Now, he did end it as a wizard, but he started his career in Chicago and basically ended his career in Chicago, let alone those few years that he just decided he wanted to come back and play for the Wiz. He won all of his titles in Chicago. He had his best players really drafted to him and or come in free agency. Um, it wasn't like he got together with a few other guys, was like, hey, let's get together. LeBron, you got to face it. He's flip-flopped teams a few times. Played a few different groups of players, and he hasn't even won that that many titles in comparison to MJ. So overall, as far as 
basketball, rings, titles, how we've gone about doing things over the course of the careers. MJ gets the nod there. As far as pure basketball specimen player, you probably give Braun the nod. So there's a couple of different avenues in which you could actually judge, analyze there, and they influence themselves. Definitely. I think if you if you had a machine that you could genetically craft a basketball player, uh, size, height, weight, attributes, um, skills, whatever, and you can make the most perfect player ever, you make something that looks very, very similar to LeBron, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you make a, a LeBron-MJ hybrid player is what you come up with. Yeah. If, if you're going to make the, literally the the 100 on a video game. Yep. That, I mean, it's a it's a LeBron-MJ hybrid. Yep. It's, he's ridiculous, man. He's he's literally the best player of our generation. I, I agree with Kamiyo. Yeah. It's really hard to to compare across eras of basketball. You know, Michael yeah. Jordan played That's, in a uh, completely different era than – than this era, you know, if if you move LeBron back to Jordan's era, what does he look like? If you move Jordan to this era, what does it look like? You know, I think maybe if you move Hakeem Olajuwon to the the twenty teen era of basketball, we might be arguing that Hakeem was the best player of all time. You know, it's so talents and skills and how they translate in that era of basketball and that style of game. It, it's a conversation that can never be won. There's never a right or a wrong answer, but uh, yeah, LeBron's I, I unreal. With you, He's absolutely. unreal. I like the generation, the generation gap that you guys mentioned because I think that's huge, and I think it. I, I first of all, I, I always, I was like you guys. I hated, or not hated, but I strongly disliked LeBron or disliked the argument that he's better than MJ because I always, I always felt he had that asterisk by his name because of his whole thing to Miami, the way he announced it, you know, his, his kind of his cockiness and his, his aura that he, he has around him. But just seeing what he's done this season at this age, still at the, you know, performing at the peak of his career, it's just incredible. So with all that, and also I think if you brought MJ to this generation, I'd be curious to see how he would treat everything with free agency and, trying to maybe get players to come to him because yeah. he, he was the ultimate competitor, right? How, so how would be trying to, yeah. How would Jordan be in the Twitter era? Right. And so I think when you take that, I, so with all that being said, I think it's a one, a one B situation where Michael Jordan is the ultimate competitor and will always have that above LeBron and particularly from a, a mental standpoint. But I think LeBron may be the most talented of the two. And I'm willing to say that after last night, you guys probably saw my tweets Anyways, like you guys said, that's a rabbit. I mean, that's that we could have a whole hour long podcast on that. Probably, Shit, we could do a whole <laughs> just crazy. a whole podcast series. Like, series, yeah, dedicated to it. Yeah, that's a great point. So, just the final thing I got for you guys around the association, just real quick, your guys' big off, biggest playoff surprise player. Who do you guys got? There's some some good options here. Yeah, that's a good question. I realistically. I mean, you want to go with a rookie, but these rookies have been playing this way all year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So probably the biggest surprise player to me would probably be Giannis because he was terrible. And that's a surprise in a bad way because he yeah. was not very good. That's Hawks a really are pretty good one. bad. 
So I would be honest because they were pretty decent at the beginning of the season, and then they kind of faded away in the second half of the regular season, and they were just downright terrible in the postseason. And a lot of that has to do with Giannis and him taking leadership and him taking the shots he's supposed to take and is usually used to taking. So I would go with Giannis as the most surprising player, but not in a positive way. Yeah, and that's interesting that you mentioned that. I I like that point. And I'm going to go most surprising in a positive way and stay on the same team and go Chris Middleton. That's a good one. Chris Middleton shot like 60% from three in that series and was just absolutely incredible. Um, So I might go Chris Middleton. I I would also – I'm also very tempted to put Terry Rozier as my biggest playoff surprise player just because he's been incredible. He's been absolutely that's, insane. That's kind of funny. You got I, I thought we all might kind of be on a similar page on this one, and we all kind of took it different ways, which I really like. Uh, it's cool to get those different perspectives. So the two that have stood out to me the most are, like you just said, Scary Terry and then also Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday's mm. been great as well. But just something I saw on Twitter, I guess this was on Friday. So this is before their previous game that they played yesterday. But Terry had 193 touches in the fourth quarter or overtime this postseason. And that span, he has zero turnovers and shooting 90% off field goals. Oh, my that's God. Insane. That's ridiculous. That's, that, that's absolutely wild. That's from, from Micah Adams. Got to give him credit there on that tweet and that staff. But how wild is that? I mean, that's that, just that's none of us saw this coming. Yeah. And for the Celtics to be doing what they're doing, like we just talked about uh, previously, Without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And I, I also, another thing I saw on that is kind of cool, is, or I thought was kind of interesting. Somebody was like, can we stop saying that the, the Celtics are playing without their two best players? Because Al Horford is not injured. He's playing. <laughs> and that was kind of a funny way of saying Al Horford's playing his way out there as one of the Celtics' best yeah, players. He's, he's Anyways, good, I got man. Terry on that one. Yeah. So, Kamiar, I skipped over you earlier. I feel really bad. What you got you for us? <laughs> All right, so just to keep this pretty frank, we'll go with my would you rather question in it. You can go with this, or you can go with that. You can go with this, or you can go with that. You can go with this, or you can go with that. Okay, all right, I got one. Would you rather be a hobo with a 5% chance of getting inherited by a rich guy, or be Hitler two years before the end of World War II? Because you know you're going to have to shoot yourself, but you still got two more years as Hitler. Has a lot of information to go with it, so put your ears up. Watch out for your feet because I'm about to drop a lot of information. So basically, if PG and Melo, and this is cap-based, by the way, if PG and Melo are both gone, Oklahoma City is left with $88.9 million on the salary cap, being um, which the salary cap is around $101 million. So keep that in your mind. With that $88.9 million, that... Bruce for eight years on salary right now. Next year, Russ, Dre, Patrick Patterson, Stephen Adams, Alex Abrinas, Terrence Ferguson, Kyle Singler, and Dakari Johnson. You do not hit the luxury tax until you get about $123 million. Of course, these are projected numbers. They may jump a little bit, but regardless, those are the numbers that we're working with. If PG dips and Melo opts in, which is, to be honest, the most likely scenario as far as what the national pundits are concerned with, OKC immediately goes to about $117 million, still below luxury tax. However, then you're taxed with uh, – that, that's a good play on words. Then you, then you have an issue with putting Jeremy Grant, you know, 
back on the Thunder, re-signing him, that becomes a lot more difficult. The issue here is if P- if PG dips and Melo opts in, a lot of people suggest, well, the team would probably be better if Melo's off the team. So then you'd have to buy Melo out, which is a lot of people are suggesting that OKC would do anyways because he's not really happy in Oklahoma City. And to be honest, from Sam Presti's comments, Oklahoma City's not that happy with him in Oklahoma City either. So there's that. But if you buy him out, it still counts against that cap. So you're blowing a 20-something million dollar hole in the salary cap. So keep Oof. that in mind. Now, That's a good the, point. The free agents that are coming coming to you know get some cash this coming year, these are free agents in general. I'm not saying OKC could afford them. I'm not saying OKC would pursue them. But here's a list, a short list of free agents that are just going to be out there. You have KCP with probably an ankle bracelet that uh, he has to parole, whatever. You've got Trevor Ariza, Avery Bradley, Jabari Parker, who has been injured a lot in his career, Wayne Ellington from Miami, Greg Monroe, Dante Exum, who actually just went out today and has to have surgery, I believe, Julius Randle, Seth Curry, Aaron Aflalo, which Thunder fans have, for some reason, had stuck in their brain for the past four years, Jeff Green, Rodney Hood, Gerald Green, who has nine and a half fingers, and Derek Rose. <laughs> now, the actual question in which we're operating off of is, or would you rather, I suppose, if Paul George leaves, would you rather buy out or trade would you rather buy out or trade Mello or keep him on the team for the year? Taylor, why don't you start? You take this one first. Okay. Well, just Reading that question off the top of my head, the first instinct that comes to mind, I think the the win 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 scenario is trading Melo. Right, Melo gets out like he's wanting to. Thunder get rid of him like they're wanting to, and you get something in return, and you get to try something else because, like you said, in a point that I completely forgotten, Kamiar, you brought up a really good point that when the Thunder buy out Melo, that still goes against the cap space. So it's not like you can just you know. It's not like Clay Bennett can just walk in and write a $28 million check, hand it to Carmelo Anthony, and then we have $28 million that we can spend on a free agent. You know that, that goes against us. So you're basically down a player there unless you pick somebody up for a, on a cheap contract, a bet minimum, something like that. So I think the, the win – obviously, I would rather uh, trade Melo. But there's so much around that because of that no-trade clause. Right. And Melo want to get paid that it just makes that so difficult. And he ain't so, coming off the bench. Yeah, right. And he's not coming off the bench. So if if you can't trade Melo, if he says, nope, I'm not taking a trade anywhere, you're either going to have to buy me out, I'm going to be a free agent, or I'm going to play with you guys. And if PG leaves, I'm going to go ahead and say, let's just let's just ride the PG or let's just ride the Melo and uh, and Russ wave and and see what how far ISO ball can get us. We'll just expect the worst and hopefully have fun along the ride and maybe come trade deadline. Melo will agree to go to a, the leading contender. You know, if they have some interest in them, maybe he can increase his trade value that way. And then we can just get rid of him at the end of the season and try and pick somebody else to help out or somebody pick up somebody else, excuse me, to help Russ and Steven. Sorry, that was a long winded answer there, but that's just that's a really complicated yeah, situation. no, it, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a complicated situation. I think I like that, a lot of info though, Kamiar. That was that was good. I think that there's helped, some some interesting things that go into trading Mello as far as a team trading for Mello is more than likely trading for him 
because it's a massive expiring contract and they'll be yes. able to get off that money in a year and have a lot of cap space. So a team is not going to trade someone or a group of people that are on the last year of their contract for Mello, right? Because it's it's trading 12 for a dozen, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to trade long-term money. So if you trade Mello, yes, you get rid of Carmelo Anthony, but then you're adding more years of a contract onto your books. And if PG is gone, you probably don't want more big money on the books. You probably just want to get as much money off the books as possible. Uh, I I think my first preference would be if the Thunder could pull some sort of trade that was beneficial and get in a player that they feel like could contribute, you do that. I think you could also trade Melo to a team maybe where he won't play and he doesn't want to play, but that team has promised him, hey, we're going to trade for you, and then as soon as you get here, we'll complete a buyout. You can go on. We won't have you on your on our team, and we'll get the cap relief in a year, anyways, right? So I could see that yeah. possibly happening as happening as well. Um, that would be option one. Option two, a buyout. You don't have to buy out a player for their full contract value. You can negotiate, and I think from what Mello has said in exit interviews and his attitude, and from what Sam Presti has said, I feel like the buyout is the most likely scenario. And I also feel like maybe they won't have to buy out that full $28 million. Maybe it's closer to 20 and saves them a little bit of money. Uh, I, I think that's the next most likely outcome. But in any of these scenarios, my preference is Carmelo is not on this team next year. I don't care if we're paying $28 million for nothing uh, to have somebody not on our team for a year. I would prefer that to having Melo and his bad attitude and his jab steps on our team. Yeah, I personally don't think Melo really had a bad attitude until the the exit interview. Well, He's for sure, yeah. From, yeah. So why would you then? Why would we be discussing his bad attitude when he just wants an enlarged role in the team instead of playing, you know, third fiddle? My idea is that, I mean. If you're going to blow, you know, 20 to 28 million dollars a massive hole in the salary cap just for the sake of not playing iso ball, that's a little I don't know, selfish, silly to me. I mean like because then you can then move Melo down to the 3, which what he's naturally at. You put Russ, Dre, Melo, then you put that 4 probably honestly Jeremy Grant for defensive purposes and Steven Adams that way instead of having PG out there and PG and Dre basically you know I guess protecting Melo if if you want if you might say from his defensive shortcomings you have Dre and Jeremy Grant protecting him from his defensive shortcomings than you would say so I think it's better to keep him on the team for a year maybe expand his role into you know yeah putting him in the post-up game but also taking him off of pick and rolls and things he's always been used to doing so I'm unsure that they would be able to trade him. I mean, I think that's the least likely scenario is that they would be able to trade him. I think so I too. think what's most likely is that he does end up getting bought out. But I would rather they keep him on the team for the sake of a guy that's been a lot of places that has can make shots, just maybe not necessarily the shots and in the rhythm that he's always had. So I'd rather keep him, but that's that's just that's just my own opinion. But Moving to the Pop Culture Minute. Jacob, what do you have for us? The Pop Culture Minute. It's over. 
over 9,000! Winter is coming. I told you a million times, my teeth are coming in. It's called cleidocranial dysplasia. I know neither of you assholes have seen Infinity Wars yet. Yeah, um, I know Calmere. I know Calmere is probably not going to see Infinity War. Um, I want correct, but we're gonna talk about it anyway, so deal with it. Um, first question: Your favorite Marvel movie slash Marvel superhero? Calmere, do you even I, have I, one? I like I like Deadpool because he's an asshole. I thought you would Deadpool's say Black good. Panther. Taylor, what do you got? I, so growing up, I really liked the Spider-Man movies. Uh, always thought Spider-Man was super cool, and I love the whole Tony Parker saga. I guess um, I also really liked Iron Man. I thought those were cool. And then I used mentioned Black Panther. I saw that one recently, and that's obviously the most like recent one in my head. But that was such a great movie, and we talked a little bit about that. I think me and you, and kind of us as a group. But I love Black Panther. That yep. was good. Do you realize that's you just called Spider-Man Tony Parker and not Peter Parker? I've been watching too much basketball. That's, that's incredible. That's I didn't even funny. catch myself. <laughs> Tony Parker. Can you imagine Tony Parker being Spider-Man? <laughs> Let's just take a minute. Uh, he, he would cheat on Mary uh, Jane. Uh, I mean, oh. Tony, Tony Parker is a much better actor than Tobey Maguire, who was the original Spider-Man. That is there very, you go. God, those original Spider-Man movies were so bad. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. Which Marvel suit? Well, I guess I'll answer that one real quick. Um, I loved Black Panther. Uh, I also am a big Thor fan, so those would probably be my two. Next one: Which Marvel superhero would you want to be? If you oh, had to, geez. if you had to take That's over their tough. life yeah. and like their power, who would you want to be? The the Flash. Is he Marvel or is no, he DC? No, he's DC. I don't know. Oh my gosh, call me on. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, who's really fast and is Marvel? Ooh. I don't know if they have Did like they a Flash able? equivalent. I well, think that's I, stupid. I might go <laughs> Iron Man just so I can be like this really rich dude that has money to spend on everything. Yeah. That defeats the whole purpose of being a damn superhero. <laughs> he, he doesn't even have superpowers. He's he just, just has rich. a suit. Wait, but, he, had, he had that line. Remember, he had that line. He was like, wait, some, a little kid asked him in the Corvette or whatever, like, so what's your superpower? And he goes, I'm rich. <laughs> that yeah, like, funny. that's the thing. It's like, oh, so why do you want to be a super, uh, who, which superhero do you want to be? Oh, I'd like, I'd like to be this superhero. Why? Not because of his cool power. Of the day, most often, it's because the guy is like, has billions and billions of dollars just to waste and throw away. That's the reason why I want to be a superhero is because he has so much cash. Man. Yeah. That's yes. depressing. <laughs> I also like Doctor Strange and his ability to manipulate time and manipulate a, basically the, the, the fabrics of reality around him. Um, that's I went into pretty that dope. movie with like, low expectations, but it was actually a pretty good movie. I, yeah, it was, I, I thought it. it was pretty good. I, I like Benedict Cumberbatch a lot. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, there, it's, but, it's, but, it's oh, also yeah. uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is an incredible name. And I read this tweet one time that's maybe like a top five tweet that's ever been on Twitter. Someone said, Benedict Cumberbatch? That's like an American actor being named uh, Coors Light Gun Tits. <laughs> and I thought, that is incredibly accurate. Uh, that is incredible. I don't know what awesome. that means. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I get it. 
I get it. That's. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Taylor, what which Marvel superhero would you want to be? I mean, Captain America is just like the embodiment of everything a superhero is. He's like basically Marvel's version of Superman. So I'm gonna go with Captain America. Okay, very good. That was a good movie too. I really like. Yeah, the, the Captain Americas were really good. So lastly, I want us to come up with character comps for these players. Marvel character comps for these players. First, Russell Westbrook. Which Marvel superhero would you like say Russell Westbrook is? So I do think Russ would have a superpower. And this man I'm about to say, like Kamiar just mentioned, doesn't actually have a superpower. But in terms of like personality and like just kind of who they are, I have Iron Man for us. But if like if Tony Stark didn't create the suit, but he isn't that that's right, right? Mm-hmm. What's his first name? Mm-hmm. Stark. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so if he like didn't create the suit, but like somehow had the superhero ability to just change into the suit, like and have those powers, that'd be Russ. Nice. I I think Russ's on-court attitude maybe is closest to Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think I think um, Iron Man is a good comp for Russ. Kamiar, do you have any opinion on this? As far as Russ, I think Iron Man's a poor Iron Man originally suggested for get hurt and Russ was that early in his career and then with the face and then with a broken hand and then with a broken knee that doesn't really fit him too well then yeah. you us Deadpool and Deadpool has a sense of humor and in Russ's sense of humor so I went with Wolverine because Russ sacrifices his body at a high level every night and really tears through stuff and is very very irrational a lot of times when he gets really angry. Just like so Logan. I think Wolverine That's good. I think Wolverine fits him very very well. That's a good one. I like That's, that one. That is a good one. I do too. Yeah. I might go with that. Yeah. Next, Paul George. Who's Paul George's Marvel comparison? I'll go first because I went last. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dead because he's a bot assassin. The guy can make shots when he's on fire. So he's a bot assassin. He's a trained assassin. He does what he, he's supposed to do. Of course, OKC didn't see that in the playoffs in games through six. But when he was on fire in the season, legitimately, he looked really, really good. So I would say Deadpool because that's what he reminded me of. Just a trained assassin. Very good. Uh, Taylor, where are you like going with this one? I went in Black Panther just because he kind of reminds me of, of that actor. I thought, you know, there's, they, they just uh, kind of have similar demeanors. He's just kind of like calm, cool, collected, but like super badass. Nice. And so I, I, I liked uh, I like that. that I, for him, I, I like that Black Panther one. That, that one's tough. good. Yeah. Um, it just kind of fits him, I guess. But like just his persona. Yeah. I'll go with that. My next Victor, one. Victor Oladipo is the Black Panther. But Vic, oh, yes, Vic awesome. always gets Black Panther. That, that was, was so awesome. Cool. <laughs> My next one is Carmelo Anthony. Oh, see, I don't, I don't have anyone for this one. I, I cannot think of any good ones. What do you guys got? Oh, I'm trying I... to think of uh, one of the Marvel guys that are in denial. So I don't know, maybe yeah. Iron Man because Iron Man again. Uh, we talked about the good side of Iron Man. Maybe the bad side of Iron Man is he's kind of in denial of being a superhero 
and instead just sees himself as uh, he sees himself as a superhero, even though he doesn't have superpowers. I feel like that kind of fits what Mello is as well. He sees himself as an all-star, but he's not really an all-star anymore. So maybe I would go Iron Man, the negative side of Iron Man for Mello. So I did a lot of research before we got there. Even though I didn't make superhero movies, I actually looked up a lot of stuff. And for Mello, for me, is the human torch, except he's depressed and lonely all the time. So he doesn't ever get really fired up. But it's, occasionally he does catch on fire. For like that one time when we played Houston down the stretch of the season and he scored 20 in the first half. So he can get hot. But at the same time, he kind of sucks. Nobody really <laughs> likes him. He's kind of just flaming out. So that's me. That's a good one. one. That's a good one. My next one is Jeremy Grant. Anyone got a comp for Jeremy Grant? Jeremy's kind of like Spider-Man-ish, right? He's like super freakishly athletic and can jump out the gym and has super long arms and almost looks like he's crawling all over the backboard in the rim. Spider-Man? That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I think think you could put Black Panther for... Jeremy yeah. Grant as well, you know, whenever he has the power of the Black Panther, not whenever he's had it uh, drink, drink, had uh, it drip it the way. Yeah. <laughs> whenever before he drinks the uh, the Wakandan lean and loses all his superpowers. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, call me out. What do you have for Jeremy Grant? Uh, I honestly did not see Jeremy Grant on there, so I don't have one. Oh, OK. Easy enough. <laughs> Next one, LeBron James. Who do you, who's your guys' comp for LeBron James? You're just going to skip over Steven Adams? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Steven Adams. We'll go Steven Adams. Who's Steven Adams? I think if you don't pick Colossus, you're wrong. I was going to go either Ooh. Thing or the Hulk. Or Juggernaut. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. Juggernaut's a good one. Also. Juggernaut. I like all those. I had Hulk too. Maybe, maybe Thor, maybe. But with the with like the Hulk. hair, yeah, with the hair, Stephen yeah. Adams could be Thor. And he's like super strong and big or whatnot. But yeah. Okay, sorry. Now LeBron James. Uh, okay. Um, I will go with. I will say Thor for LeBron James because okay. the guy is a, a legitimate god. god you know. Yeah. And he commands the power of the universe in different facets. And he has a massive hammer that, A, you see his dunks, but also, B, remember that one time when he accidentally flashed his penis to ESPN during the finals two years ago? (laughs) So I would say that LeBron is Thor for a multitude of reasons. That's a good one. I was going to go LeBron as Captain America just because he's he's the, uh, the poster boy. Um, but I also thought about putting LeBron as the Punisher just because mm-hmm. the Punisher is like a crazy badass who just doesn't give a shit about anything. And so, uh, I don't know. I just thought that the, the way the Punisher like just eliminates people without a second thought and it's just like so good that um, that, that kind of fit LeBron's on-court persona. Lastly, Kevin Durant. Which Marvel character is Kevin Durant? Just think of like the worst villain possible. That's him. <laughs> I, I I think we definitely have to go villain here for KD. Yeah. I wish there was a villain that like or I, I wish there was a superhero who maybe like Venom, right? He like 
he's originates from a good super superhero and be like turns into a villain. Obviously, there's kind of weird circumstances there that make that happen, but mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, he could also maybe be like Thanos in that like people had that people would argue that his um his intentions are good. You know, he he wants to be the best player he can be and win a ring, but the way he goes about it uh, isn't good. And each Infinity Stone is kind of like uh, each of the Warriors. One of them's Draymond. One of them's uh, Steph Curry. One of them's Clay Thompson, et cetera, et cetera. That's, yeah, that's deep. I like that. I've got Magneto. And the reason why I have that is because there's a variety of reasons. I mean, so Magneto, although he is kind of like a villain, yeah, against Professor X and Wolverine and the whole guys that that follow that school he also has this weird relationship up with them as far as mutual understanding so of course magneto like at, at some points he's a villain but at other points like you like him or you un- just understand him as a person or as a i guess professional or as in this case a superhero because Professor X and Magneto, they would play chess and have casual conversations with each other. And Magneto is like he is very, very powerful. He's one of the most powerful dudes on Earth anyways. He can manipulate a lot of things, including people, into believing that he's staying somewhere. But regardless of his powers, I think it's just him being powerful and him being very comfortable in the setting of other maybe superheroes from the X-Men generations. So I've got Magneto. Very good. Very good. Another good one, yeah. I like that. Awesome. Any uh, any more Marvel thoughts before we move on, guys? I'm going to try and see it, hopefully, like, Friday. Dude, it's good. I'm Infinity excited. War was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, maybe sometime earlier, but we'll see. Yep. Awesome. Well, we're at about an hour and 15 minutes now, so I think we're going to uh, bring this podcast to an end. Thank you guys for listening. If you like what you hear, it would be really awesome if you would go and leave a five-star rating on iTunes for us. Um, Just don't make fake accounts and leave tons of one-star ratings and then lie when you get called out on it, please. Um, (laughs) It only takes a few seconds to to leave one of these ratings, but it really helps out our podcast. Uh, It helps out what we want to do in the future when we get uh, tons of listens and ratings and stuff. It, It helps what we're building for the future and it just helps our egos and it makes us feel good so if you want to make us feel good just go and drop a, a five-star rating leave a little review make sure you follow the uncontested on twitter at the underscore uncontested also visit our website theuncontestedsports.com. you can also go and buy our awesome nba jam style t-shirts they are at the uncontested.bigcartel.com Make sure you follow Kamir on Twitter. He is at BoomtownRW. Go wish him luck for his master's thesis defense tomorrow. Uh, I'm already pissing week. my pants. Yeah, I'm already pissing my pants. I'm not going to shout out Nick's um, at because he's probably still at that restaurant anyways. Uh, <laughs> go follow Taylor. He is at Taylor underscore P15. And myself, I am at ThunderMob405. Hope you guys enjoy your week. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. We will get back to you maybe with a mid-range pod this week, but for sure next weekend with another podcast, probably breaking down the impending Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals matchups. So that'll be exciting. Uh, Appreciate you guys and thunder up.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.